You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Yeah, I know one man. Have a listen. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Mariners podcast. It's amazing to think it's four weeks since we last sat around the table. Um, a bit of a mixed bag since we last sat around in the last in the last four weeks. A um, few ebbs and flows for the Mariners and it's, um, it's time for us to pick the bits and bones out of those those four games we've had since we last got together. Um, alongside me to discuss those those four weeks. Um, delighted to say once again, ever present this season so far, Ronnie Pete. Back from his sabbatical. It's I'm delighted to welcome back Simon May and our very, very special guest this time around, none other than uh, than Dan Prince, media officer. I think that's my, my official title, I think, yeah. But a little bit more than that. But well, time to time. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks have for you Yeah, more than welcome. So, very, very busy uh, podcast coming up. We've got lots to get through, so let's crack on straight away. So, since we last got together, Shields, two home games, two FA Trophy games, um, a mixed bag, very much um, as we were in terms of FA Trophy, two good wins over Staley Bridge and Russian and Diamonds. In the league, uh, a mixed bag. Home defeat to Lancaster, terrific away win at Stafford on Saturday. First of all, um, the the last podcast finished with the tame home draw with Grantham, yep. and then we have our next home game and home defeat to Lancaster. Now on paper, if you, before you take into account any performances this season, you look at Grantham at home, Lancaster at home, and you say six points. Mm. We got one. Um, the stats tell us that. We dominated the games, which which we did. But um, Ronnie, we felt particularly after those two games, particularly the Lancaster game, we were kind of not quite at the races. No, it was it was similar. There were a lot of games we we seen last season where we just had all of these chances, mm. um, a lot of chances created, not put away. Some good moves in the first half. The weather wasn't great, no. and then when you don't put your chances away, you see the teams slowly but surely. Getting into the game, they had some quite, I mean, some very experienced pros playing for them. I think the guy that scored played yeah, for the over three hundred league games. And what it's a bit like last season, you, the the other team, um, the away team, grows in confidence as we're not putting our chances away. And then more than likely there'll be a set piece, which there was corner, and it's going to be like that because you've got teams that are really strong in the set piece mm. in this league. Um, and then once you've conceded, it's then a little bit panic sets in. Mm. And you're trying to play the killer ball. and So it reminded us of a lot of matches that we had last season. But thankfully, we haven't had many of them this season. But uh, I think it's all a case of not putting our chances away. We, I, I was pretty quick to kind of criticise after that Lancaster game. Dan, you get a different view up on the gantry. Um, and you posted uh, that weekend. I think that, you know... We did. I, I, I'm sure I remember put, saying something that we need. To, we didn't create enough. We've got to. We've got a centre forward, the best centre forward in non-league. We've got to feed him. You said we did create chances. If you look at the highlights, we did. Uh, you were right. Um, do you get a you know from that gantry? But you're busy. Yeah. Um, do you f- get that perception that we were creating chances? I think when you're up there, you're a bit sort of disengaged with with other people. So you just your own personal view. You're mm. not. You're not sort of changing your view. Based on what other people are thinking, yeah. um, but on that particular occasion, I thought we did create enough that we win most games. Mm-hmm. They weren't clinical enough in the yeah. vital moments on that on that particular day. I thought they created a lot more against Lancaster. It was a more positive performance than the one against Grantham, mm-hmm. which I think the team would admit that themselves. But um, when you're up there, it is difficult because you're watching through a camera lens. Yeah. So you're concentrating on where the camera's going, and then you. When the ball was out of play, you're tweeting what's happening, so it's hard to get a full yeah, reflection yeah. what the game was. But but we then play Russian and Diamonds in the FA Trophy. Now the stats would say that the chances created, possession, final third entries, blah blah blah, were pretty similar to the, the previous league games. Yeah. But we win four nil. Now clearly we took our chances, but we missed some. But I, for me, it was about the perception. You know, but Lancaster and Grantham. At the end of those games, I mean, I spoke to Terry Wilkinson after one of the games, and he said he was bored. You know, Terry mm. said he was bored after the. I got that. Of, the Granton game certainly. There's a. You know, we play possession football. You know, which is 
often easy on the eye, great to watch. But I think Grantham hit a point where it was really, we never looked like even, there was a lot of final third entries, but it didn't, I can't even remember really being in the final third that much. But see, we got forward and the ball then went back and across and it was boring. I got it. I, what, what got me was the fact that in the second half of that Grantham game, the person furthest forward on the left flank was Phil Turnbull. And so, so what I'm getting at is, in terms of perception, is against Russian and Diamonds, I felt that the two fullbacks, their starting positions were 20 to 30 yards further forward than they were against Grantham and Lancaster. Yeah. Now, am I being kind of cynical <clears throat> in thinking that maybe were we a little bit cautious in the league games? Two defensive play, you know, but the fullbacks clearly weren't getting forward. Is it? Is it me? That was my perception yeah. against Rushton. We, the two fullbacks, were outstanding because they were they were bombing forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll come with the stats later, but it's obvious that we've conceded less goals this season. Mm. And you don't get that by luck. You get that by maybe not taking as many risks mm. and being more defensively strong. Yeah. And I, th- I think at home we are definitely more conservative than we ha- we were last season. Yeah. I don't think that more. I don't think the fullbacks bomb on as much as they did. I don't think the midfielders do. So when you have a lead like we had as well, they, it's probably they, they wanted to keep that lead and maybe the odd home draw was okay. Um, but as I said, we just got caught on the on the set piece against. Them. And on on the chances for Russian and Diamonds game, the thing I noticed is it's kind of the type of chances we created. Rushton Diamonds, you got Gilchrist the ball inside the box. If you can get in Lancaster, we yeah. didn't seem to be able yeah. to get him a chance inside the box for whatever reason. Mm. But on Rushton and Diamonds, that, that guy, when he's got a ball in the box, he's so cool and he creates, mm. he shifts it to get some space and he bangs it in the corner. Yeah. We managed to find him quite a few times. He could have had a hat trick or four against Rushton and Diamonds. But against Lancaster, he didn't have that many chances. So I wonder if it's the type of chance we're creating. Um, and we're just learning how to feed Gilchrist, I think. I do, you know, given that we tend to play a diamond formation, the fullbacks are key in that. You know, we we don't have many natural wide players for, you know, further forward. Josh Gillies is probably a, a natural wing player, but there's not much width and there's not a lot of pace. So you're relying on on the fullbacks. If they are, if we are playing conservatively, or if we are for whatever reason our fullbacks aren't pushing on, then we're sort of stymied a bit. I think you know. And, and I'm going to say a, a remark now, which may f- some people may find a bit stupid, but I think, I'm going to say, we're quite easy to defend against. Now, that's coming, you know, I know we're quite high goal scorers often, and, you know, we, we play great football, but if you're a good organised side with good players, I think we're more straightforward to defend against, because you know what you're going to get, really. We, we you know, a lot of nice passing, Across across the pitch and you know trying to play a little through balls in, but there's never any balls over the top in the channels. There's not a lot of pace, so if you can have two banks of four in organisation, you can have a go at defending against you. More often not, we're winning games, so that's that's not a a, a bugbear or anything. But I, I do think that, and mm-hmm. I think there are game there are going to be games. Grantham probably a case in point, possibly Lancaster, where we make we we make it look very hard for ourselves because like you know. The, the, we're playing against better, good sides, you know. We must never forget that. This level, this league, mad league, where everyone can beat each other. Um, they're good players and good sides, and um, sometimes you just need that little bit more. Where, you know, so we're relying on the fullbacks. So the perception of players coming for, you know, like fullbacks being further forward, it probably is correct. Mm-hmm. It just needs that little bit more, you know, yeah. a little more, bit more urgency, and the different chances can be created if you're getting from width, yeah. from, from wide positions. Ball into Gilchrist in the box rather than because I, I you know the games I've seen this season with Gilchrist uh, certainly the Grantham one he didn't have a I don't think he hardly even received the ball in the box never mind have a chance mm, so yeah. Um, so yeah it, it sounds stupid you know we're easy to defend against but I think we can be if we don't play with the fullbacks bombing on after the Rushton game Dan you interviewed Phil Turnbull and I made a note that his interview was very very honest and he talked about how how sideways we'd been playing against Lancaster and Grantham. Mm-hmm. Even he, he he commented on that. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to play, a li- not play, but I'm going to mention something that against Rushton, we had a bit more urgency in, but a bit more energy and spark in midfield from Adam Thurston. Yeah. Because against, certainly against um, 
Lancaster, possibly Grantham. We'll hide it in midfield. Um, Turnbull, Briggs, Baxter and Lowe. So there's no, there's no real fast twitch. Mobility. Spark yeah. there that a Thurston and or a Daly brings. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where the, the lack of yeah. penetration came from because they're all quality players. Quality players. Mm. Great players. But they all have their limits. Yeah. I think if I remember rightly in the Lancaster game, as soon as Thurston came on, he started to get behind the defence because he's, he's he's mobile and he's willing to, to yeah. go there. And, you know, the others are great footballers, but you know, they're not the fastest and they're not the most yeah. mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, when you in, in, interview the lads, mm-hmm. um, clearly um, sometimes you have to do double takes and retakes and things. Yeah. Are, are they generally, generally honest? They're very honest, yeah. I can't think of one person who... They would try to mask something if if they felt mm-hmm. that the team didn't play well. They would say that. Um, Phil Turnbull, who you mentioned, is one of the more one of the most sort of honest that mm-hmm. you that you can find. I guess. Um, and yeah, it was an, it was an enjoyable interview because you you could get to the crux of the frustrations from the from the previous games. Mm-hmm. But I think he could also see that there were a lot of positives from the Lancaster game. It was just about refining the way that we were playing a little bit. Yeah. And it came it came out a bit against Rushton, but, but I think. When we mentioned the Lancaster and the Rushton game, we should also remember that there's probably a little bit of a difference between the standard of those two teams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to be disparaging towards Rushton, but I think Lancaster have a higher standard, so it's yes. obviously going to be a more difficult yeah. game. They massively improved this yeah. season, haven't they? Massively. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've done really well since I think the new manager came in mm-hmm. around midway through last season and they improved a lot last season and they've picked up where they left off this season. Yeah. People like David Norris and the team. David yeah, Norris is a great signing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They're going to be a good team if they've got someone like him in the team yeah. who's always going to score goals at this level. So yeah. I think they'll be one of those teams up there around the playoffs mm. all the season. Um, one of the newest lads that's that's come in, there's, there's been some ins and outs. Um, the in is uh, Sammy Odalusi. We touched upon Sammy in the last podcast. Uh, so you missed that. Mm. Uh, but you want... Prior to having to miss it, um, you've talked about when we played um, I think Staley Bridge in the league. Yeah. And uh, you'd like to go to ground easily. You know, this is his first game, I think, certainly first at Ards. Well, it was his him. first game at home. Yeah. yeah. And um, he went down without anybody touching him. And I thought, you can't, have, you know, we're not having this. You know, like, it like, wasn't a good sign. Certainly for, for us, we've, we've fallen foul, I think, in the last year or two of sort of, um, we'll call it simulation um, against you know, opposition. So for someone on our side to be doing it, um, doesn't look good. And and I think, I think you know, I'm not going to ask you, Dan, to sort of like, you know, as an insider to make any comment on individuals, but um, I dare say there's been was words sort of said to him, like, let's cut that out. Um, so that was my first impression, it wasn't great. But he, he looks, he's got the demeanour of a, of a player, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell, you know, he's been around been around a bit um, so he looks the part but remains to be seen whether he, there's any sort of um, substance to to his game yeah. Yeah, my first impression brilliant FC United of FC Manchester United, yeah. he came on he looked powerful he had the pace he had the touch he was getting stuck in you know, we got ourselves a great player he here. got sent off didn't he nearly got sent off um, and then he gets his goal on the Saturday after and you're thinking, right, he's going to take off, and it just doesn't seem to have took off from. But you know, it's still early days. I think one Man. thing to remember with him as well is he, he didn't have a pre-season. Right. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really played a lot since probably midway through last season. So when he came to us, I think he had maybe one training session before the FC United game. Mm. So he's still almost in pre-season mm-hmm. at yeah. the moment. Right. So maybe yeah. it'll take a little bit longer for him to to yeah to realize yeah. his full potential here possibly. My concern is just the number of clubs he's had by the age of twenty six. That would kind of ring alarm bells, I think, in my head. Thinking he's only twenty six, yet he's played at all these clubs. Um, hope, hopefully, things will turn out well for him with us, and he can press on with his career. But that that is a concern. It's definitely something there, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Just how we get it out of him is. He needs to work probably on his on his finishing. Probably that that might need tidying up. But um, some. Some very positive news in terms of ins, although it's a semi-in, that Sam Hodgson signed his first full-time contract, mm-hmm. which is kind of, I think, very, very perceptive, pertinent, probably astute yeah. by the club. Because obviously, um, last year we lost uh, to Huddersfield. Uh, Will McCamley. Will McCamley. So, Not only Scott the Blind Spartans as well, that was another one. 
Yeah, Molly so Scott, who's doing very, very yeah. well at Blythe, by the way, Ollie. Um, but Sam um, has been signed um, and clearly, clearly has something about him. Oh, he's a player. We watched him in against Morgan. Yes. Si, uh-huh. And um, he was he was quite magnificent. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Um, he's at, at the age of eighteen. He's he's already a man in terms of build. He interviews well. He's obviously got a head on his shoulders. But to watch him in that Morgan game, um, the sort of the front three, if you like, front four, possibly if if you can call it that. Very very good players. So I think a good bit of business to get. Certainly Sam signed on a, on a professional contract because um, the kids going places. I really do. I mean, Sam came in um, last summer as a sixteen year old, and even in last season, youth cup as a sixteen year old, he made an impact, and I think he scored five or six goals in that in that run of the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's picked it up this season. He's um takes everything on board that he's getting taught off the likes of John Shaw, Graham Fenton, people who've played in this position mm-hmm. for a long time. He's learning off the right people. Yeah. And um yeah I think he's got got a lot to look forward to in the future. Um that game against Morecambe, um people a lot of people out there in social media Shire talk about um Shields don't have a plan B. We don't have a plan B. Well actually um, John Shaw and Wes Brown proved that South Shields have a plan B somewhere because that second half against Morecambe... Terrific. Absolutely uh, terrific. Yeah. Clearly, you said the front four, numbers 8 to 11, clearly miles better yeah. than their back five. Yeah. But we had to get the ball to them. Mm-hmm. And football football and wise, both teams were pretty uh, similar. And, 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 and Morecambe were quite adept at cutting out most of our balls until we went more direct. It's, 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 yeah, it was direct, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't kicking the forward. Certainly not. It was measured. It was bought longer balls into the channels just to get their back four turned and we made here. And, but to be fair, you know, we were the better side in the first half against, against mm-hmm. Morecambe, but they, they, they dealt with us and they basically had two players with any sort of threat. And sadly, you know, like a, a defensive, you know, a misplaced pass, you know, again, you know, passing the ball across the back. Um, <laughs> as I have no problem with but sometimes it, you know you, you can overdo it anyway you know that was the way they got their one chance and it was a terrific finish they still got to put the ball in the net and it was a cracking goal but they had two players who had any sort of threat by going a bit more direct it meant the ball was less in the areas where they could be a threat it was where we could be and um, I just thought it was terrific just to see the, the change in, in, in form uh, not formation the change in plan was uh, was great to watch and it was a great night and fully deserved. You got a bit excited, didn't you? I did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cramp set in when I was going to have to run down the steps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, um, Hartlepool United in the next round of the FA Youth Cup, um, which is tomorrow night. Obviously for us, this is Thursday night when we're recording. Yeah. Um, what a night! Um, potentially a way to Fulham. It won't be Craven Cottage, will it? It doesn't look that way, although I think at the start of the season, teams can sort of apply to play the games at another ground than the first team stadium, mm-hmm. but they can also apply to play at the first team stadium as well after that date. Mm-hmm. So I think Middlesbrough have done it. They're going to play their next round at home mm-hmm. at the Riverside, even though they're, they're down to play at the training ground. So mm-hmm. maybe. I didn't know that, that you could do that. I think yeah, you have to play I at think, the ground. I think. Um, Sort of the default setting is that you would play at your home, your home first team yeah. stadium, but you can apply at the start of the season not to play there oh. um, until the quarter final. I think it is, and you're obliged to from the quarter yeah. final onwards. Yeah. But I think obviously following one of those, I believe fifteen teams who applied at the start of the season not to play. Okay. At the first team ground, might not be a bad thing though in some regards, you know, because you go to Craven Cottage and mm-hmm. A Premier League ground, which wouldn't there wouldn't be many there. Probably more Shields fans yeah. than, than if, if we got there. Um, so it might not be too bad a thing, really. I think it would just be that experience, something to be able to play of at, at a ground like that would be be huge be for them. Huge, I think it would be a lot. We'd be looking forward to a lot more than they would do yes. to go to a training ground where they, they could play them in a friendly. Just just the same problem. Yeah, that is, that's that's it. That's true. So yeah. ho- hopefully, if they do get through, fingers crossed, they get through. There might be something that happens which makes them mm. able to play at Craven Cottage because it would be. Massive knife for them. Yeah, It'll be evenly matched sides. Good luck to the lads who, and if you're listening, obviously after you'll know the result. Um, we'll talk about ins and outs, but actually, there's one lad that I, I've made a note of who is not an in, but it's almost like we've got a new player, Dylan Morse. We've touched upon already in podcasts this season about the, the improvement in the back five, but um, I've read a lot about 
his performance, particularly at Stafford last Saturday, Dan. Mm-hmm. Now, none of us were there, you were. Um, and just look at the highlights. Nothing, nothing got past him. Just what was the defining factor, do you think, in that performance? Well, Dylan was obviously huge in that performance. Um, it was a difficult pitch against a team that was quite direct. It had all the, all the hallmarks of um, a banana skin, especially in the second half when Gary Brown had to go off. Yeah, right. That left us having to play, well, I think the change formation, to play five at the back in the three set halves with Dylan, uh, Blair Adams and Craig Baxter. So it was two players out of position alongside Dylan. And Dylan had to kind of marshal the back mm-hmm. five, which also included two really young lads on the flanks, so yeah. Kieran Charlton at left back and Jordan Hunt at right back. So it was a lot of responsibility for Dylan. <clears throat> he stood up with the mark, as he has done over the last four years since he's been here. I think he's got more and more mature his performances over that time. And I think Saturday sort of personified how far he's come, really, that he was able to marshal defence mm. the way that he did. It's, it's, it's amazing. He's all, it's almost like he's grown six inches as well in height. Yeah. Just And, he, and he's got wider. I think earlier on in the season, we, we said, you know, I think the fact that he's now a professional, it's sort of, it's I think in his own head, he's probably thinking, I'm a professional and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and you know he's just grown in stature because yeah. even last season without Shorty um, he was a different player without him oh yeah and, yeah. and this season he's a different player and Shorty's never been there he's not yeah. getting bullied as much off the ball no as he was that's the, he's, he's far far stronger and this match that we just talked about will, will be absolutely brilliant for him because that'll get his confidence sky high because mm-hmm. he's proven to himself that in a game like that banana skin bad pitch playing with uh, a defence that's not normal yeah. that he's marshalled that and he's done the business I, I think he'll go from strength the first half of that game obviously looking on like watching Twitter, your Twitter feed etc mm-hmm. etc et appeared that we were pretty much in control um, and it was a very very good first half performance yeah I think once we got to grips of the conditions and the pitch and, and the opposition we sort of came on top from half an hour onwards we were really on top uh, scored the two goals which was deserved mm-hmm. um, it could have been maybe one or two more there were some good chances that went begging in that, in that time as well um, it was more difficult after the break which you find quite often in this league when a team yeah. regroups at half time yeah. they're often a different team in the second half and that was definitely the case they got the goal got the tails up and Gary went off the different back five and they just they, they kind of tried to get on top of us in the last period but obviously Dylan in the back five stood firm and managed to get through a really mm-hmm. important three points yeah massive it is. Like I've said before, this league, you know, any away win is massive. You know, so just to, you've just got to get over the line somehow, haven't you? You know, and get your points. Even a draw away is is you know is is I think is great. But to get to to win every away from home in certain circumstances like that, it's just outstanding. I read a quote uh, last week. I think it was from Tom Wade. Yeah, yeah. Who had said that this league um, shields just have to get out. Once they're out, he said they'll fly, and that's the might not like, but that's that. It. If you look at what Farsley have done, if you look at what Kings Lynn Kings Lynn are, are doing, yeah, yeah. Um, then it, it it's potentially correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Tom knows his stuff, and, and he, he says we just have to get out. One because we've said it before, there's teams in the league who've been there for thirty years, yeah. just kind of get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter what, you know, just kind of get out. Um, I think there's one telling thing about the last four games. And I think it's going to be crucial going forward. Is Gilchrist is now back from injury and he scored four goals in four games, mm-hmm. so he's on a run. Mm-hmm. And I think players like him, when they're on a run, his quality. I think he's going to get goals, a lot of goals. I think as well. It's, it, it, I think another key factor is Lee Mason. Yeah. He continues to. He's the one for me. He's, he's the he's the one player who just has just many facets. You know, first and foremost, he's bloody difficult to shift off a ball. You know, yeah. he's. he's We've touched on his building before, and, it, and you know I'm not going to that, but he's just he's just an outstanding footballer. If we can get him fully fit for most of the rest of the season, we will. Gilchrist will get lots of goals. Yeah. We will fly because Mason's just outstanding. And I, I, I hope he I hope he continues. You know, to get on the pitch. My man, <laughs> he's your man. Yeah. <laughs> he started on Saturday as well. His first start in, in quite a while, I think, and um, he was very good in the first half, holding the ball up. Bringing others into play, you look like the back to the Lee Mason that we all know. So yeah. if he can continue that, then I think he's a massive player for us. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, we've 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 lost a, a wonderful player um, recently, since we last got around the tail in David Foley, um, who for personal business reasons has decided to call it a day. Um, he leaves some amazing memories. 
for all of us really. Yeah. Um, but also for himself, he's, he's clearly stated, you know, he's got some of these best footballing memories. Mm. In it was a second shield. chance at the career from, wasn't it? You know, when uh, he to sell shields. You know. He's left a massive mark on the club. If you look back at all the Wembley, all that, the the run to Wembley and at Wembley. But the season before. The season before, he was he was the focal player up front. Um, absolutely brilliant. Him and Gav together. Yeah. In that um, Northern League First Division season, when they were both fit, flying, unplayable. Yeah. Um, it's great to watch when they were all on fire. Yeah. At times it was a front three of Gav Cogden, Dave Foley, Carl Finnegan, and all of them. I mean, when you look back at it, it was crazy to have that. That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Player, yeah. <laughs> and the, at that time, out of the three, I thought Carl Finnegan was the worst. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous to see. And you look behind him, Julio was in midfield, yeah. Wayne Phillips, you know, it was. Wow. Was a, I know. Robert Briggs like yeah. a, was an amazing team at the time. Obviously, it's continued to develop since then as well. But obviously, David, we came in. I think it was the, the first summer we came back to Mariners Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a few question marks when he first came in because he'd been out of the game for a year and a half or so. He had injuries in the past, and people weren't sure whether whether he'd be able to hit the ground running. But he, he really did. In that second season, he just caught fire when went on the run to Wembley and he scored those two goals at Wembley. It was a well, an for, amazing season. I keep saying, it, but it was that night at Morpeth when Gav had come back from injury. Gav wasn't playing on the Saturday. And the two of them ripped the more apart. apart. Yeah. And uh, Gav wasn't even fully fit, but it was just um, incredible to watch. And, and I, I, I think it's fair to say that since he's come back from Spenny Moore, it hasn't quite been the same. I think that year where he, he didn't play much football, no. and I think that's probably took its toll in the end. And um, I think the difference, you, you, you could sort of measure the difference between the two periods he's spent at the club. The Wembley game, for, for example, you know, it was case in point where he used to just pass the ball into the net. Mm-hmm. It was cool, calm, got a chance, and he stroked into the net. Since he's come back from from Spennymoor, all but you know there have been some great goals. Like the North Ferriby goal is, is is the big one, but he started like sort of slashing at his chances. He's mm-hmm. snatched at them, and, he, and you know he's hitting the goalkeeper. He's missing the target where before he'd have just passed it into the corner of the net. And I think the pressure, of course, and everything like that, and just I think that time away just has. It did take its toll in the end, but he does leave us well with brilliant, brilliant, fabulous, yeah. fabulous. And to yeah. see him actually the first home game after he announced mm-hmm. he was there in the stand, mm-hmm. and that's that's great to see. The other out is um, Liam Connell on loan to Darlington to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of guess that might be it for him as a Shields player. You don't know because Miles Boney's only on loan to the end of the season as well. Um, but it seems to have gone really well for Liam at Darlington. Um, fans' favourite. <laughs> it seems to be a recurring theme. He come, you know, he's a Shields fans' favourite. Goes to Darling fans' favourite. Um, we've all got our opinions on him, mate. And I, oh, I wish him really well. You know, yeah. I think Liam Connell's a very, very good. Well, he's an outstanding step five goalkeeper. I think he's a good step four goalkeeper. My opinion, step three maybe a step too far. He's now a bloody step two, which is like just puts my theory to to you know. Mm. Uh, in a cocked hat really but um, I wish him well I wish him really well I think everybody would echo that as well um, one of the um, other um, ins um, a really positive one Savaloy Dips <laughs> <laughs> Savaloy Dips at Mariners Park seriously though um, I think it's a very very good move not because it's Savaloy Dips it's because it's it's engaging with Dixons which um, a South Shields based business um, it's about time that we did that sort of thing, in my view. Um, there are Shields-based businesses that I, I don't think have had a big kind of presence at Mariners Park for whatever reason. Um, but Dixon's is one of the big ones, and it's a it's, it's a good it's a good one to have. Um, my view is places like Minchella's, you know, yeah. um, Coleman's. Again, it, it's different when when they're all caterers and we shield we do our <laughs> own catering. But I mean stuff like Min- Minchella's, you know, um, any as far as you know, Dan. Not, I wouldn't want you to um, divulge any mm. contractual things. But are, are there any other kind of local links in the pipeline in future, as far as you're aware? Well, I would like to think so. I think it's always important to, to engage with the local businesses and particularly the the, the, the high profile ones mm. that people mm. will know. I mean, mm. when we announced the the Dixon's news, it was like a Announcing a new sign, the way the fans react to it. So, um, That's what I'm seeing, getting in Chelsea's ice cream. Yeah, well, I think that showed the potential of what these things can do. Um, and it's given people a, 
I don't know, another positive thing to look forward to when they come to Mariners Park, another thing to add to the match day experience. So yeah. it's really positive, but we'll have to wait and see yeah. if there's any other that can, can come from that. We were talking on the bar beforehand, before that match, when it was announced, and it just seems like it's a win-win. It's a win for the, the business who's engaging with the club, mm-hmm. and it's a win for the club who brings something new to the fans, mm-hmm. but local to the fans. So it's like It just seems like a no-brainer to do more things like that. I think it's like you know away from the football club even a little bit, but as a, as a town, South Shields, you know, we do need like to everybody to sort of get together and 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 push it forward, you know. And I think given the the progress that the football clubs made, it could be a catalyst for lots of you know for lots of other businesses to sort of you know to grow and, and just a feel good factor around the town, you know, mm-hmm. making boost jobs and things like that, you know. And um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, which takes us on to something else that's been announced in the last couple of weeks is the the potential share issue. Uh, Dan, uh, is it now at 900 plus interests? Yeah, pretty much 900. People have sort of registered their interest, so it's going really well so far. Um, now, personally, um, I, I'm not a fan of fan-owned clubs. Um, if, I, if South Shields was a 100% supporter-owned club... I'd be really worried. It's like when Liam Connell, you know, the talk about his move to Dalek and fans were on Twitter saying, oh, we'll, we'll all dip in our pockets and we'll put 20 quid in. And that's yeah. just like... Um, so, because the minute you start getting it, it's then run by <coughs> big committee. And I'm not a fan of committees. We've said that in the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to to give... Uh, I am a fan, however, of um, uh, a small percentage share. Hmm. Fan owned. Because at least it gives you... It makes you feel part of the actual fabric of the of the club, um, I just think that um, it's the it's the right time. We, we've mentioned before, but Project EFL the timing of it. We, we weren't one hundred percent yes clear sure of that. But this is a good time because it, it, it it'll get us on our next subject, which is um, supporter um, positivity and negativity. Um, it gives something else, I think, for people to be positive about. When quite often there's a lot of moaning and groaning about stuff that really not important. Yeah. Um, so it, would it be next? Would it be next year, Dan? The shareholding. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Um, it'll probably be around February time when people get the chance to buy the shares. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd just like to mention about the shareholding scheme. Um, something that Jeff's been thinking about and planning for almost since he got here. Yeah. He's always wanted the fans to have a big say in the club and always wanted them to have a stake in the club as well. It was about choosing the right time. Mm-hmm. It's because I think Jeff's worry is he doesn't want the club to be entirely reliant on him. So if anything was to happen to him, if you know, mm-hmm. you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um that there's the club would survive and the club would be able to thrive at the level it's at. So I think by involving the fans, and it's not just about the fans as well, it's about trying to reach out to high net worth individuals as yes. well and businesses yeah. so that they can sort of take some of the some of the financial burden as well a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it should all if it all goes to plan, it should only be positive really. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of um, percentage um, uh, of the club is, is Jeff sort of putting out there to, to support us? It's about 20%. 20%. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I think that's that's more than reasonable. You know, yeah, that's okay. there, are, there, are, there are some German clubs on the way to 51 49 mm. sort of thing, which again is not bad, but when I think you really, it's good to have support and input, but let's keep it to a reasonable level. I like, I like something to have a figurehead. Yes, you've got to have you've it. Always get you need it. The minute you go from figurehead to committee, you're you're wide open. Um, because that's positive. There's been a lot of just, Simon got overexcited in the um, youth cup match. I wonder if, how excited he would be if he put some shares on. <laughs> oh goodness me! He'd pull a fat lot. He'd have more than just <laughs> corn on his tool. Career over. Career over. Um, but of course, the positives, you know, coming. There's negatives as well. There's a lot of on the forums. There's a lot of mourning, you know, you, you read stuff after games and you read stuff. Um, I'm glad this hasn't been something which people have suddenly thought it's something else to mourn about. Because mm. <clears throat> normally the more you give people opportunities to have, the more you're opening yourself for mourning. Um, Perhaps we will need to wait for like, prospectuses to come out and things like that because mm. there will be a mourn. Yeah. Why is it what, 20% yeah. when really it should be 35 mm. Or, or, you know, things like that. Yeah. You're probably going to get one or two dissent. Because at the moment, it's only 
notification, isn't it, of yeah. interest? Yeah. It's very high level information, but as soon as the deal comes out on yeah. on like how much the shares are, how many shares they are, yeah. what percentage of it, then you'll stop oh, if if twenty percent of the shares are worth this, then the yeah. club's worth that. That's what that's what's gonna right. start. What if someone can't afford? Yes. They're thinking, oh, for goodness' yeah. sake! Yeah. It tells you if you want. You can. You can. You can. If you can. Well, when you register your interest, mm-hmm. how much you you think you're gonna be able to? Yeah. Have you done it? No, 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 no. no. Have you done it? Yeah, I've done it. You you did, done it. Did you pass the test? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it like the EFL sort of writing proper? No, no, no. <laughs> no the person's, it's proper person's it's, test. No, no, that's what you do when you when you when you want to buy shares. Oh. To, you know, you got to make right. sure that you know what you're doing when you're investing your money. Okay. Do you know what's going to happen to your money? Right. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I yeah. Get it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to to Mariners. Um, there's a lot of naysayers about um, stuff that goes on on match days. We talked about the alliance in the last podcast. Um, uh, uh, and mixed mixed reaction. We've all got our own opinions on things. Um, but a supporter um, prior to the last podcast um, mentioned to us about supporter um, dissatisfaction with the queues in the bars and beer, the speed of service, the length of the queues, and what the the the, the alliance membership cards were sorting discounts and the new cups having to pay. You know. That mm. sort of thing. It's just everything adds up to to making the queues longer in the bars and that sort of thing. Um, I wonder if it would be pertinent for the, the, those discounts, uh, which a lot of supporters are very, very positive about, to maybe be available at either one or two particular bars rather than all of them to stop the bot to stop a potential bottleneck. I don't know, but some supporters won't like that, of course. Um, do you, we see on social media, Dan, you're at the club, you're at Mariners, you're there on match days, you're there day in, day out. Do you hear those dissenters? Do you feel that? I can't really avoid it, to be fair, with my job here. <laughs> yes. Pretty much every message that comes into the club comes through me one way or another. So right. I see every Facebook comment, I see every Twitter comment, I see every email, and a lot of them do come in. Um, but I would like to say that the vast majority of them are overwhelmingly positive yeah it is just the odd comment that comes through which is negative but i try to look at it in a different way i try to, to try and take the positives out of those negative comments and mm-hmm. see if there's anything that we can realistically do to help those people if, if there is a genuine issue so but the things with the queues at the bars i think it's really really difficult because i think we do all we can to alleviate those queues but you can never tell how many people are going to come to a game some games are busier than others yeah the weather affects things. There's so many different factors. We've tried bottle bars at certain times. That might They've the had, bottle bar might be handy against yeah, water. I think for depending on the size of the game, I think it worked against Sunderland in the, in the friendly, but they might not work against I don't know Bamber Bridge on a mm. Tuesday but, night. But even then, there was mourns at the Sunderland game. Yeah, you, you, you can't please all of the people all of the time, and there are just some people in life who, you know, the slightest thing will just you know put them into you know to apoplexy, you know, and if you get to a, if you go to the match at Mariners and you get there sort of half an hour, twenty minutes before kickoff, and you're starting to get a pint, and it, and that spoils your match day experience. Well, give your head a shake, man. You know, like that really spoils your day. You've gone to watch your club. You know, we're all like a pint, some more than others, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a person who. You know, I'll occasionally be there after a match, but generally I, I, I go straight you after go home. Game. Yeah, yeah. And but that's when you're at games. That's when I'm at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not helping your corns and that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so you know, but to me, what I see at the games when I, you know, before the match, after the match, I never really see any problems getting served. You know, like cues or anything. I, I it just, it, I, you know, it annoys me when people comment like this because they, they couldn't get a pint. At a certain time. And I know it is a big income stream for any football club, and it is important that you try and you know cater for everybody. But given the the, the infrastructure at our club, it, you know it's a growing club, and the, and it's still you know still it's an infancy, infancy really, yeah. And I think do rather well, you know. Um, the big games where you know the big crowds of over two two and a half thousand are still not the norm. You know, and I and I think you've just said that you know it is difficult to predict the crowds you're going to get. Mm. Um, 
just people just need to have a bit more understanding. You know? Especially when you look at how far the clubs came in the last four or five years. If you look back when we first came back, it was just the one downstairs bar, and there was probably seven hundred people trying to get served through <laughs> that bar. And we, yeah. we managed the best we could. Then we added the bar upstairs. Yeah. We added the marquee. We added the the selling points outside, which can sell alcohol. So there's a lot less queues than there used to be. Obviously, there's still areas that we can improve on, and probably more outlets that we could build in the future. But we just have to go step by step and not mm-hmm. get too far ahead of mm-hmm. ourselves. It's pointless building outlets if you've got you've got plans in for a new stand. Yeah, well, exactly. You know? I think it, things just get, have to happen step by step, and there has to be a bit of understanding, and a bit of patience. I think that yeah. occasionally there will be queues. We don't want them ourselves because we know that queues can be off-putting. But at the end of the day, if there is big queues, it's positive because there's a lot of people there. Yeah, yeah. I never have any problem getting served at one o'clock. That's the answer. Getting Mariners bar early. Yeah, you know, until about 2.30, I don't think there's any issue with getting served. And if if it really knocks you, then, you know, have a good think, you know, Mm because it's just, that's just... Anyway, we've got a special guest here tonight. Um, And uh, it's a bit of a coup getting uh, getting an insider, isn't it? Media man. All right. Professional. All right. Um, But it is a pleasure to have you, Dan. Um, um, I want to just ask a few things... Mm-hmm. Of you, uh, about you, and just for the for the listeners to get a little, for those who don't know a little bit more insight. Um, how long have you been a part of South Shields Football Club in your role as media guy? Uh, it was the summer of two thousand and thirteen. I got involved, so I've been I've been to university, finished my degree in sports journalism, and I um, started because it was difficult to get a job straight after university. I started almost an indefinite work experience period at the, the Shields Gazette. Um, I've been there a few weeks and Ross Gregory came up to me and says Shields rugby and Shields football teams are both looking for a press officer and they've asked me if I can recommend anyone. Would you like to go to either of those? So I chose the football one and thankfully I chose the football one. Um, <laughs> my first season was the first season in Peter Lee. Yeah. So I've seen the, the very worst times of club's history probably in, in Peter Lee. But there were actually enjoyable moments in those two years. You might be surprised to hear that but yeah. there were some good moments in those times. Came back to Mariners Park 2015, obviously been involved since then. It was five years as just a volunteer, and it was last summer that I got made a full-time member of the staff there. What's changed then? Because as a volunteer, you were massively busy. You're still massively busy. But has your workload increased since you've become an employee rather than a, 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 a volunteer? Yeah, I think there's always things that you add to your bow over time, and inevitably, as things have progressed over the last year and a half, there's been more things to do, so... Things like getting involved with the, the shareholding schemes is one example of it. Other marketing initiatives, the, the schools project that we're doing as well, there's plenty more things to do now. And I'm always looking to, to add more things to it as well, but the more that you add to it, the, the less time you have to do it, I guess. Yeah, but you are, you, you seem to be everywhere. So most of the school things, you are there. Um, do you get to spend much time in the office doing like media work? Yeah, most of my time, to be fair, is spent in the office, so I'll spend, it's usually nine or five, but often I'm there longer than that, to be fair. Um, the school things only happen once every week, once every two weeks, I, I go to everyone that I can. I don't get the, as many of the academy games as I would like, probably, but most of my time is spent in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, 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 you're a club employee, um, so clearly you have that affinity, you have that loyalty to the club. Um, when you When you hear... Um, criticism of players' performances. Do you feel it as a member of staff? Do you kind of think, I want to say something, but I can't? I do take a lot of it to heart, probably too much, to be <laughs> fair. And I always want to say things, and I always want to put my point across, but sometimes it's better just to say, keep them to yourself a lot of the time, unless there's something that you can genuinely put a fact to somebody. Mm-hmm. They're always going to have their own opinion on something, and you've just got to respect that, really. You can put your own opinion across without being, I don't know over the top with them mm-hmm. but let them have their opinion so but yeah I do take a lot of it to heart especially when it's because obviously the, the players become friends as well when, yes. when they're in the club and you're with them every day and when you see things that you know are not not right you want to say something but mm-hmm. you've got to let them get on with it but clearly um, it's something that you love doing yeah I absolutely love that I, I couldn't be in a better job to be fair I actually said to somebody the other week if, if Real Madrid offered me a job if Newcastle offered me a job if Man United offered me a job I wouldn't want to leave South Shields because feel like I'm part of something that's quite special yeah I wouldn't ever want to lose that yeah like the way that things have grown over the last five six years I feel like I just I want to be a part part of it for as long as I possibly can really and without you I mean you don't have to divulge information you know that I'm um, but are there any plans um with regard to your role that you know coming up in the next 
few months. Do you, do you foresee any new things coming into your role with the with the share issue with the club? You know, because it's it's almost a professional club now. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any plans for you in your role coming up, or is it just going to be more of the same? I think it's more of the same at this stage, but things change quite quickly. So maybe something a new thing will come up in the future that I, mm-hmm. I need to, to sort of have a handle on. It's quite quite fluid, really. So I have to wait and see on that one, I guess. Do you get any uh, any grief off the players? No, they're quite good with me to be fair. Obviously, you get to stick from time to time. I guess everyone does, but um, no, they're a really good set of lads. Well, that's because you edit the highlights, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't like that you turned them out the highlights. Um, I won't mention names, but there was one um, one instant early in the season where a player asked me to leave something out of the highlights, and I said, "Well, <laughs> I can't leave that out of the highlights because it's a pretty important part of the, the match you've just played in. I can't, I can't take it out." And he was like, "Oh." Is that your own goal? I, isn't it? Well, I won't go into what it is because it would make it obvious. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get home. Yeah. Mariners TV, we're working out. But yeah, um, the players were all great. That I think one of the things that John Shaw, Lee Kick, and Graham Fenton, everyone prides himself on is that every single player in that dressing room is pulling in the right direction. There's never been a bad egg in the dressing room over the last three, four years. Just a great set of people to work with, really. That, given, you know, like in any um, field of work, that's quite a quite a statement that really isn't there is normally mm-hmm. in any team yeah. a bit of a bad egg isn't there or someone you'd, you'd rather not yeah. you know social so, that's, so. that's why I, I like I like being self-employed because mm-hmm. I don't have to be looking after a team of 15 where you yeah. potentially got one or two or, yeah that's, that's astonishing that really I think, I think it says a lot for the way that Lane Graham have instilled that in the dressing room over the last yeah. four well three or four years since they've been there John Shaw as well as captain's a key part of that as well. I've spoken to him quite a bit about this. Um, and he says that at every dressing that he's been at, there's been one or two who might it's, upset the apple cart. It's inevitable, time. isn't it, really? But at Shields, kind of, his attitude is that when if there is a bad egg that comes into the dressing room, they very quickly become a good egg because yeah. of the people that they're around. So yeah. that's just the way it goes, I think. Mm-hmm. Incidents like the the bike that they bought for Jack Lewis last year but when he had his bike stolen, yeah. the, the players chipped in. That got a lot of publicity, but that was just probably one thing that they would do. There's a lot of other things that would go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're just a great set of Lee and Graham, um, interview after every game. Um, have there ever been moments where, after a particularly either bad performance or bad result, I don't want to do this? I think there's always that, li- that little bit of anticipation before you go into an interview because you don't know what the mood of them is going to be like, but I tend to give them a little bit of time to, to gather the mm-hmm. thoughts because you don't want them to come into an interview and say something that they might regret, so mm-hmm. give them a little bit of time, um, but you can sort of sense the mood straight away when you walk into the room. Actually, I interviewed Lee after the, the Lancaster game that we mentioned, and that was probably one of the most positive interviews that he's given over the whole time at the club, because he was really pleased with that performance, despite the result, you could see the, the positive mm-hmm. signs that were there, and it's probably been borne out in the last few games that we have scored the goals that we've probably yeah. maybe deserved yeah. that as a game that just didn't fall for us. And that yeah. it goes back to like yeah, perception about yeah. the, the starting position of the full backs, blah blah blah. But I, when we travelled, I travelled down with us to Grantham mm-hmm. in February. Um, that was a difficult night in more ways than one. And I, but I, I just noticed how quickly you were interviewing Graham after the game, mm-hmm. and. And, and you've just said there that you, you give them time. Mm-hmm. But in real terms, that, that was within five minutes of the finish of the yeah. game. I mean, I mean, sometimes there's a, if, if they want to gather the thoughts, they might come to me and say, well, give me a few minutes, I just want you to think about mm-hmm. what I'm going to say. Um, but on certain occasions, they just want to come straight out, they know what they want to say. So mm-hmm. if they're in that sort of mindset, then I'll, I'll interview them straight away. But yeah, that Grantham game was, um, it's not one we look, look back on fondly. It was one of those... That was a Tuesday difficult night. night. It, yeah, was, it was awful. Long trip Tuesday night, pitch with a running track round it. Lost Sh- Shaw's yet to get off the bus at the last minute because the Littland was poorly. Yeah, that was another factor. Uh, I mean, it just shows the challenges that non-league footballers, yeah. particularly from the northeast face, when they have to travel mm-hmm. to these games mm-hmm. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. We've got, potentially got one next Tuesday in the FA Trophy. We may, might be going to Stourbridge on yeah. a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Which, That's... by the looks of it, if it, if it is Stourbridge, we'll be back at three o'clock in the morning. But yeah. fortunately, with the new hybrid model... Mm-hmm. Most of the lads are full time, so fortunately they won't have done a day's mm. work. They'll have rested and yeah, but there's still that percentage. It's probably about fifty-fifty to be fair. So the likes of obviously I don't want to miss anyone out, but the likes of Craig Baxter, Gary Brown, Phil Turnbull, the likes of them. Briggsy, Briggsy, yeah, Lee Mason. Lee Mason's quite a, still quite a, a big chunk of them who mm. are part time. They'll have to be finishing work. 
the difficult years with not knowing whether it's Lancaster or Stourbridge. They're going to have to ask the boss to have a bit of time off on the Tuesday, but they don't know mm. how much. So mm, it's, yeah. there's a lot of the FA, these things. You know, I, I was a bit disappointed in the fact that they had the FA Trophy playing at the same time as the FA Cup first round. No, they average, you know, on average, there would be teams of, you know, need to play in both, you know. That, that was, I think, was was, was poor. Mm. I think very much so. One or two um, clubs are going to have fallen foul of it. But Dan, um, thanks for agreeing to come on. It's fine. Been great to have you. Um, did you when I asked you, were you thinking, oh, I what's he after? <laughs> no, I was looking forward to it. To be fair, yeah. um, I've always enjoyed listening to it. So to be honest, it's okay, okay. blame me. Yeah, I'm an avid listener, so I'm going to up my game. Aye. But no, seriously, thanks very much for, for joining us. Um, and we we now look forward to to end of November, beginning of December, and we look forward to, to Morpeth. Um, massive, massive game in, in more ways than one. Um, it, it, it's a pivotal game, really. Uh, Morpeth have got catch-up to play. They're in the position we normally are because of cup exploits and things. And they're, they're four or five games behind. They've got Bamba Bridge on Saturday instead of us, which is another bugbear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, so it's going to be a really exciting pre-Christmas run. There's some um, very oh, interesting Warrington games. at home as well on the 7th. Yeah. Um, um, FC United coming up? Yeah, that's March. March. It's uh, Warrington, Michelover Sports away, Radcliffe at home, then Whitby away. But... Radcliffe's off, isn't it? According to Google, don't get me started. So yeah, there's some good exciting games there. To have Morpeth and Warrington it's mm. within a week of each other. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And then a pre-Christmas, 21st of December, home to Radcliffe, pre-Christmas beers. But you know, if you know, potentially we beat Stourbridge or Lancaster, there'll be another trophy game, won't there? Yeah, I think the next round of that is the 14th, so I think the game that will be in doubt will be the Mickelover one. Yeah. Yeah. Which wouldn't be the best thing because that means you go to Mickelover on Tuesday night. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I'd say about Mickelover is it, it's just at least it's only the M1. It's not as if you've got to go Transpennine, you've got to go through the Derbyshire Dales and all that carry on. It, it, it's 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 A1 M1. And it's, it's never too bad. Well, we've had a game there recently on Tuesday night. So they've had it once this season. It. So it's 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 not it's not as bad a trip as it could be. Yeah, like a Stour Bridge mm-hmm. or, a, or a Buxton or something like that. We had Buxton away last year on, on a Tuesday. That was a nightmare as well. We got there. I think it was about half an hour before the kick off because the driver took us the wrong way. <laughs> so, uh, wasn't best preparation. We lost that game. So. Mm-hmm. But um, no, um, uh, uh, what I think's been a, a pretty um, full-on podcast this evening, lads. We've had a lot to get through, um, and I thank you for your company for allowing us to get through that. Uh, I hope you guys out there have enjoyed listening to it. Um, we really, really do. We enjoy, I hope we hope you enjoy listening it, listening to it just as much as we enjoy producing it for you. Um, tell your mates out there. We're, we're looking for more listeners. It would be great to get more Mariners fans tuning in and getting more feedback, positive or negative. We always say negative feedbacks are positive in the in, in the long run. So um, keep it coming in. So um, from myself, Chris May. Um, Simon May, Ronnie Pete and special guest Dan Prince it's goodbye for now, we'll see you soon bye bye thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast there'll be another one along soon before you can say Julio Arcan <laughs>